Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. This on? Hello? Hello? We're all science people. Science. Exactly. We know it's a good idea because it's lasted. There's chemistry in here. There's biology in here. It's in whiskey. It's in ice cream. It's in who you fall in love with. Rules and, and ethics and everything else. We can make the world better for everybody. Starting now. Welcome to Science Rules. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is the show where science rules. Now, everyone, it's a call-in show, so if you want to be on the show, and I hope a few of you do, please go to AskBillNye.com and type on in. I want to hear what's on your mind. I want you to call me, and we'll talk about science and, and its rules. It'll be fun. So if you're like me, and I know I am, you have watched some of the Chernobyl episodes on HBO where it goes back with British accents in English. It goes back over what happened in uh, Russia when this nuclear reactor was allowed to explode. And uh, it's quite a miniseries and it's instilled a lot of fear in people. It's uh, brought up old worries. So it's important really though to understand what's involved in a nuclear reactor, what's, what might be involved in a nuclear accident and how radiation affects us all every day anyway. And I'm once again joined, of course, by science writer, editor, and dear friend, really, for reals, Corey S. Powell. Greetings, Corey. Hello, Bill. Wonderful to be here. Uh, I'm feeling kind of rad today, if I may. It's a bad pun. Well, there you go. But with that said. Yes. Lauren Jackson is the Associate Professor of Radiation Oncology at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. The School of Medicine, you say? At the University of Maryland. And she is the Deputy Director of Translational Radiation Sciences and Director of the Medical Countermeasure Program at the University of Maryland School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland, here in the United States, planet Earth. Dr. Jackson, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm see, happy to be see, here. See, I'm telling you, your work sounds rad. <laughs> it is. It's redonculus. Uh, it's, I'm sorry, it's redonculus. Redonculus. <laughs> redonculus, like uh, redunk, redunk. Only, only radiation. <laughs> you know, radiation is a word you we toss around. First of all, in physics, radi light is radiation, microwaves are radiation, x-rays are radiation. For you, what is radiation? 
So I specifically study ionizing radiation. So ionizing radiation essentially is high energy. It can uh, eject an electron. It's a particle? It's a particle. It can be particles or it's X-rays, gamma rays, um, essentially on that side of the spectrum. So it hits an atom, jolts up an electron. Yep. Hits it out of orbit. Um, And then those can interact with biological materials. So your DNA, proteins, and that can cause Your cells. In the cells. Yeah. Correct. And so how did you get into radiation? I fell into it. Um, (laughs) That does not sound good. (laughs) Completely accidentally. So I actually started out as a political science, you know, very interested in political science, nuclear nonproliferation. And then I became more and more interested in the science world, genetics. Radiation research is an unusual field to research, yes? It is. So you you study the, effect, the effects of radiation, especially on people. Yeah, that's great, on biological systems. Uh, by, and a human being a biological system. My main thing is actually very high doses of radiation, life-threatening doses of radiation. Like from a nuclear weapon. From a nuclear weapon or a radiological dispersal device. That's it. <laughs> I like the sound effects. Uh, a, a radioactive commercial device? A ra- radiological dispersal device. So a Ra- dirty weapon. A, a dirty weapon. Or Somebody dirty steals nuclear we- nuclear material. Yeah, exactly. Puts, uh, uh, puts it with a conventional explosive. Correct. Floats it in a weather balloon over Chicago, sets the thing off, yep. and everything sucks. Or puts it in a subway somewhere. Right. Now, or, this, is, this is something correct. that people talked about a lot in the, in the immediate aftermath of 9-11. I haven't heard so much about it, but I gather – Sort of outside of the media, this is still a very active concern. It is. And so you're right. There's been this growing worry amongst the government since 9-11. Security professionals. Security professionals, yes. Um, Counterterrorism experts that, you know, there could be that we know that terrorists are trying to acquire these types of materials. And so there's a huge effort to stop them from acquiring the materials but the government is also putting an effort to, you know, be able to medically manage and treat people if there was, you know, if there was an incident. See, I grew up, I'm of a certain age. I grew up going into the hallway of the elementary school, getting on your knees. Duck covering, and cover. Yeah, which was a real thing that we yeah. really did. The premise being somehow after a nuclear weapon went off nearby, we'd all live through it, just go to the basement. My family had uh, taken steps for it to create the laundry, make the laundry room into a fallout shelter. But uh, I got to thinking about it as, you know, in high school, this is ridiculous. You'll never live through it. But your claim is you maybe you kind of could, maybe. You you could. Yeah, that's correct. So, you know, if you, there's different types of, you know, nuclear weapons. There's, you know, the conventional nuclear weapons, which would be very high doses, large, you know, scale destruction. And then there's the radiological dispersal devices or improvised uh, nuclear devices. And those have, there's much more likelihood of survival, particularly within the fallout zone. What is fallout? That's a word I've heard since I was a kid. Nuclear fallout. Radioactive fallout. So it's these radioactive, these radionuclides that um, What's a radionuclide? Doggone it, doctor. <laughs> basically radioactive material. Pieces of the bomb left over? It's not really pieces of the bomb left over. The dust has gotten radioactive. The dust becomes reactive because, it's the, because these radionuclides attach to the dust. Why do they do that? They just do? Yeah. 
just it's physics. <laughs> no, but I mean, is there yeah. some electrostatic kind of attraction between? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So probably. You, that... you set off a weapon on the a conventional weapon, if I understand it, on the ground. This part I can understand. And there's debris. Yep. A crater. Yep. Oh, what I meant was. <clears throat> yes. And so that's carrying better, thank you. dust up into the air, that's and correct. the radio, the radiation from the nuclear uh, explosion. Uh, causes the dust to become radioactive or particles of that radioactive material attached to the dust. Correct. So now we have a sky full of radioactive dust. Correct. And so that's going to fall to the ground. It's going to fall. It's going to fall. To the ground. Correct. And it'll be outside. And so it'll be fall out. That's correct. And so you you can protect yourself from this fallout by basically getting inside, staying inside for at least 24 hours, so sheltering in place. And so this is the presumption that in a day, the dust will fall into the ground. Correct. Wow. And so you can significantly mitigate or reduce your risk for being exposed to radiation. I want to clarify something about this this 24-hour waiting period. How much of that is you're waiting for the dust to settle out so you don't breathe it? And how much of that is actually waiting for the the radiation dose to go down because the most radioactive things are decaying during that time? So it's mostly waiting for it to go down. The dust to hit the ground. Yeah, the dust to hit the ground. Corey, you're referring to so-called daughter elements, right? Yes, I I am, of course. I I have two daughters, so I'm always thinking about these (laughs) things. Of course you are. But where the the uranium explodes, uh, fissions... And it creates all these other elements we see down the periodic table that are also given off neutrons and electrons and things like that there. Right. That will mess with your DNA when they hit you. Yep. So the initial, you know, explosion, you know, this is a very quick event. And so people can get exposed to external radiation due to this high dose (laughs) of exposure. Yeah. Yeah. And these people could be at risk for um, bone marrow suppression which is similar to what cancer patients might get with chemotherapy. It's the same kind of biological effects that the white blood cells, the blood cells that fight infection can be lost. um, And so people can be at risk for infection. And so these are higher doses of radiation exposure. But But then then there's the second part that's the fallout. And that's where, you know, we have drugs that can treat the bone marrow suppression. Bone marrow, if you can get people triaged into medical hospitals for treatment. But um, the, exter- the internal contamination and the exposures from the fallout can be significantly reduced if you get inside. So, so there's two types of um, radiation exposures. There's external radiation exposure, and then there's internal radiation exposure. Where I've swallowed radioactive something? Correct. So, for example, for thyroid cancer, sometimes we give them, um, you know, radioactive iodine. And so it would be, it's very similar, you know, it's the same type of iodine radioactive that after Fukushima would have been released and end up on the ground. And the half-life of that is eight days. And so over, you know, a couple months, it's going to basically be eliminated from the environment. One of the things that you want to do almost immediately is basically stop the food sources from those areas, making it into, you know, the cycle. Let's go to the phones. We have Tiffany on the line. Tiffany, are you there? Yes, I sure am. Hi there. Greetings. Where are you calling from? (laughs) From uh, sunny, beautiful Detroit, Michigan, which it will be that way for probably another four hours. Oh, sounds lovely. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, we'll get I'll, we'll get our producer uh, Jordan on the email, and Mish will try to extend the sunny period for a couple hours. But before we do Thank that, uh, what is your question? Um, okay, so I was wondering: should I be as concerned about radiation? Slash nuclear plants as I currently am. I briefly <laughs> learned about the nuclear reactor accident in Chernobyl as a kid, but now that I've been watching <laughs> the HBO miniseries about it and kind of researching the long and short-term effects of radiation poisoning, I'm a little bit terrified. <laughs> um, and so given the accident in Chernobyl and Fukushima, both of those nuclear disasters happened in my lifetime I'm really just wondering how this type of thing can keep happening, number one. But also, is there anything that we can do on the ground to protect ourselves? I don't think we're in a blast zone or anything like that here in Detroit, um, but uh, it is definitely something that my partner and I worry about a little bit, more me than anyone. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a really, really good point. I think you and a lot of people are in the same boat, especially after Fukushima a few years ago. Um, so I would say you don't need to worry. Um, I think that, and, and I've, I and a lot of other people in this field have really been trying to push, um, you know, radiation risk communication. And, you know, there were the psycho, psychological impacts of those types of incidents are actually much, much worse than the actual incidents themselves. So what is, so here we are at Fukushima, we had an earthquake tidal wave or tsunami. That's right. Screwed up the reactor. They kind of shut, they kind of buried it in cement. Is that they right? Did. Some, yeah. yeah. And so very little radiation escaped. I mean. From a, yes. So from a health perspective, the increased lifetime risk for anyone who is in that area, relative increase of ca developing cancer at some point in their lifetime over just a natural background risk is less than 0.0001%. It's so it's negligible. Yeah, it's yeah, negligible. Yeah. And so basically there was no there were no health effects and from Fukushima both, you know, in after Chernobyl a lot of people developed what we call not a lot but about 100 I think it was about 134 of the workers developed what we call acute radiation sickness. And this is light, immediately life-threatening. Mm -hmm. And out of those 24 individuals ended up ex you know, um, dying from radiation illness. The others were successfully treated. So what is, how did they die, not yeah. to get too more morbid here, yeah. but how do you die from radiation sickness? Um, from infection, mm. from bleeding. Mm. Uh, that case, you know, you had, the, it was a volatile accident. You know, it was a fire. Mm. And so it was a little bit different. With Fukushima, you know, there was, there were the uh, amounts of radiation that was released there's no health effects from that. Nobody They cut it off in time. They did, and the doses weren't high enough. And that's where containment is really, you know, containment it's contained. Of an and yet a yeah. lot of people still worried about, about Fukushima as, as, a, as, a, as a radioactive disaster. They but do. hang on. You said yeah. the health effects were something that the, the bad health effects came from something else. What is that? From... You mean the psychological effects? Yes. The psychological effects. That's correct. And so... At, and, after Fukushima, there is a higher suicide rate amongst individuals from the Fukushima prefecture than the surrounding prefectures. Prefecture is uh, Japanese government for county yeah, or what have you. That's yeah. right. And so, um, you know, in that area, because there's what we call radiation stigma. 
And so, hey, I don't want to touch you. Or alcohol is, you know, people start drinking because people don't want psychological. People don't want to socialize with you, so you start drinking. Yeah. You're saying nobody died of radiation, but a lot of people or some number of people died essentially of despair. Of despair. Yeah. 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 And so that's actually when you're talking about those types of accidents, you know, that's really where the the major issue is. And so we've been pushing that, you know, you, you need to educate the public before these types of incidents happen because that's the major health outcomes. So, Lauren, you have furrow, you have furrowed brow. I do. As you describe as you describe this. No, seriously, <laughs> you you're expressing concern. So what do you do to educate people? What are you all by you all at, yeah. the University of Maryland, at the University of Maryland School of Medicine, yeah. what are you doing to educate people? That's a good so – Twitter. Twitter's been – I think there's a lot of people on Twitter trying to get the information out there. I see a lot on LinkedIn, but I don't think we're doing a good job out of it. You know, a lot of people – I just came back from this meeting I mentioned to you in Munich, and it's certainly something that people are talking about, and it's becoming more and more, I think, relevant Um you know, or more recognized that people know that we need to better educate the public of what the real risks are. But I don't think that we've really put in the necessary steps to do that. So you're talking about health risks, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I am also of an age where it would be very common to see somebody with a card table at the airport or on the street corner with a, a slogan, more nukes, less kooks. Yeah. And I'm sure he or she meant fewer kooks. But that aside, um, I didn't. I didn't study English for a reason. <laughs> no, but that's all right. That aside, the premise being that people who understand nuclear energy, yeah, are not afraid of it. No, that's correct. Right, yeah, that's correct. It's very safe. Overall, it's extremely safe. Yeah. Well, energy, let me say it as an engineer, though. You, uh, um, uh, Tiffany, you referred to Chernobyl and Fukushima, but I'm of an age where we had Three Mile Island. Mm-hmm. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where nothing happened, Mm -hmm. but something almost happened, and people did panic. And the whole thing, everybody, the problem is if you have 430-some commercial nuclear power plants, excluding military uh, reactors, and three of them have big problems, that's just not (laughs) – just not that good. Three out of 400 is pretty bad. You you wouldn't get in a car with three out of 400 chance of crashing. So that's why people are concerned. And then I haven't thought about it that way. But, yeah. but, but wait a second. I, I, I see some disagreement coming from our expert here. I, I mean, oh, but plus that seems as an engineer, yeah. it seems like like in France, 80 percent of the electricity comes from nuclear power. Mm-hmm. And they, they haven't had any accidents, although those power plants are aging and what are we going to do with the aging power plants? That aside. So, uh, Tiffany, you have a, do you still have a fear of nuclear power or did <laughs> Dr. Jackson just allay that fear, set it aside immediately, and you are now a happy uh, Michigander? <laughs> Well, you know, I trust no one, you know, so no, I'm kidding. No, that's really, like a scientist. that's really helpful because part of it is like what you said, we're not educated on that. And I went to pretty good schools growing up and they kind of touched on things, but really made it a point to kind of skim over things because I think they thought it would be a little too over the average person's head. And I wish that um, we had more people talking to us like this and the type of transparency that you guys are giving, because that's really helpful. Well, thank you. There are other things to worry about in Detroit. 
<laughs> one or two. Yeah, so that aside, well, if there is, if, if there's a dirty bomb, let's say you're on vacation. What did I say earlier? Chicago. I mentioned Chicago because it's in the middle of the electrical grid. Uh, and there's a nuclear event. Stay inside for 24 hours. Do not go running outside to go right. find your kids, strangely enough. That's right. right? That's right. You have, have shelter in place at the, yeah. at the, at the uh, preschool and at home. That's right. You want to get day. inside a still reinforced concrete structure? If That would be primary. Go to a windowless basement. If you don't have a windowless basement, just go to the middle of you know, any building that you can. Don't leave. For a day. Um, for one day. And is, then is, stay is tuned. Is like taping up windows or putting blankets over windows, is that also helpful? Like mm -hmm. if you're in a basement? Can, mm -hmm. Yeah, and strip. You know, if you've been outside, take off your clothes. Because um, they're carrying the radioactive can, dust. Exactly. And I remember uh, uh, the whole thing was these guys were required to take a shower. Yeah. Right? To yep. get the dust off. That's yeah. right. Because a lot of those particles okay. are what we call alpha or beta emitters. They can't penetrate the skin. And so you might get skin burns, or if it's an alpha emitter, the only way you can, you're going to get damage is by inhaling or ingesting it. And so if you remove your clothes, you can really minimize. And hold your breath. And hold your breath. <laughs> no, get inside. <laughs> so uh, alpha and beta are yeah. they're particles. They're a, beta, particles. a beta is an electron, and an alpha is basically a helium nucleus. So these are, these are particles that can't travel very far. That's right. That's right. Cool. And they're, uh, Tiffany, they're dense. This, is, this is a great call. And I think, Tiffany, you've brought up a question that almost everybody has wondered who lives anywhere near a nuclear power plant. Stick around for more science rules after this. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland and discover a place that just feels lighter where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Science Rules is back. So what is the deal with iodine? It's, it's since I was a kid, iodine tablets for Potassium the, iodide, yeah. for the nuclear attack. So your thyroid takes up iodine, particularly children. Where do I get my iodine? Milk. Milk. Milk can be one place. Mm -hmm. And so basically, so if you ingest radioactive, you know, uh, radioiodine from milk sources or something that's been contaminated, then what you want to do is take potassium iodide because it basically floods the system. So your system takes up the pill you take iodide rather than the radioactive Correct. iodide. Correct. So you just flood the system. Flood You flood yep. your system, Corey. And, but the only thing that potassium iodide pills do is really prevent the risk of thyroid cancers, which is one special case and is really predominantly children that would be at risk. Do we have... Mm -hmm. 
you just offhandedly say, oh, yeah, we got drugs, Corey. <laughs> you got drugs when your, your, immuno, your immune system is suppressed. So are these drugs sitting around in emergency rooms waiting for a yep. nuclear? They are? Yeah. These are like my that. tax dollars at work? Yeah, they're your ta- our tax dollars at work. Um, yeah, they're in warehouses. So the federal government has put in over $6 billion to develop what we call med- medical countermeasures for seaburn threat agents. So these are chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear agents. Oh, so that's that's the acronym, seaburn. Seaburn, yep. Um, and so uh, over the past 15 years— So $6 billion over 15 years? Yeah. That to, with respect, that's not that so, much money as money is spent. It's not. And when you think about defense, you know how much mm. money is spent in defense, yeah. et cetera. Um, it's not. But it has led to the approvals of three new drugs um, for treatment of radiation sickness. Well, why not give everybody in the U.S. a bottle of the drugs? A couple reasons. Um, not everybody would need it. Uh, you don't want to just give everybody drugs that can, you know, potentially have side effects. And these have very low side effects, we know, because we're, they're given to cancer patients mm-hmm. to treat side effects of chemotherapy, for example. Um, but they are in warehouses and they are in hospitals, and they would be used in the aftermath of a radiological mm-hmm. or nuclear event. This is also spectacularly Hypothetical, it's just so crazy dangerous, it seems. You said three drugs. What are the three drugs? The three what drugs. What do they do? So the three drugs are Nupagen, uh, Nulasta, both from Amgen, and Leukine from Partner Therapeutics. And all three of those are now approved. These drugs basically stimulate recovery of the white blood cells that fight infection. And so you reduce that window or narrow that window that people are at risk for life-threatening infection. Because hmm. that's what kills you. This part, yep, that's, what, so in some how, Yeah, cases, how does radiation kill you, Corey? Doctor? I, I, yeah, Warren? I think that would be a much better question for, <laughs> for our expert. There are several um, ways. The first is, you know, this bone marrow suppression that can occur. And so you lose your ability to fight infection. And so people die from infection. The other is that it also, radiation can affect your vasculature. And so it can cause, um, and also a blood cell type called platelets that allow, that help blood, help blood to clot. Clot, yeah. Vasculature is your, it affects your blood vessels. Yeah, it affects your blood vessels and it affects your ability to clot. And so people can essentially begin bleeding. And if they don't have platelets, they can die from essentially a trauma-induced um, hemorrhage. Cut, you get cut with glass blown in your face by the explosion, yeah. and then you bleed to death because you can't clot. That's right. How long does it take for you to not be able to clot? Is it instantaneous? It's no, it's about two to three weeks. Oh, wow. Weeks. Yes. So if we had two to three weeks, we might treat those people some other way. Exactly, like blood transfusions. Mm-hmm. You know, give wow. people blood transfusions until those platelets come back. Okay, so then there's a third way. Um, Just yeah, messes with way. your DNA? That's there, it does mess with your DNA. That we can't solve. Mm. Um, we've, you know, there are a lot of drugs out there that try to help the DNA repair itself that are being tested. So there's over a hundred drugs that are being tried, that are in early to kind of, you know, intermediate stages of development for acute radiation sickness. It's a big program managed by the government. There's a lot of pharmaceutical companies um, that have drugs. Some of the drugs are already approved and used in the hospital to treat various illnesses. 
and so we're this, trying to repurpose is, them. This is cool. So uh, let's. I think it's time for some calls. Yes, let's go to the phones. Let's go back to the phones. We have uh, we have Annika here, and Annika, my very first question back to you is: Am I pronouncing your name correctly? Uh, yeah, it's Annika. Okay, great. And where are you calling from, Annika? Uh, I'm calling from the University of Waterloo in Ontario, Canada. Uh, it's glorious and free. Yes. Uh, you have a question. Yeah. So um, I actually used to, like, I had a co-op at uh, Babcock & Wilcox, kind of the company that makes nuclear uh, machinery for the plants. And I'm wondering... Uh, the radiation that comes from the power plant, does that actually reach the general public uh, and like our environment and will that have a long-term effect on us? And if it does, are there other green energy sources that could be used to uh, reduce like our fossil fuel impact? That's a really good question. I mean, it's certainly, you know, it's those, the nuclear power plants are very well contained. And so, you know, this certainly mm-hmm. should not be releasing any sort of radioactive materials into the environment. Um, they don't. They don't release. No. Ra- but what everybody's concern, I think, is these three accidents yeah. that were uh, troublesome. Yeah. And then nobody really has an intuitively good way uh, to dispose of nuclear waste, even if it's a small amount. That's true. If you got to store something for th- yeah. hundreds or thousands of years, you're talking on timescales of the Roman Empire. I mean, it's pretty haughty to think your government's going to do as well as the Roman Empire. But and, I do have a related uh, power question following up here. What about radioactivity from coal plants? Uh, are they significant radiation emitters? That I don't know. That's really outside of my area of expertise. I mean, my expertise is really on, you know, what are the biological effects of there was an accident. Well, let me ask you this. I don't really. Are yeah. coal miners or miners of other type types uh, right. uh, unusually or do they have a higher level of radiation exposure than the rest of us? That's a good question. Probably. I, I think black <laughs> lung and those things probably predominate yeah, uh, yeah. over anything yeah. else. I think that the, there are other very, very high risks that probably swamp and out then, that effect. And then the other one I always wonder about is people who mine uranium and thorium. They do. So they do, they study those populations. And what do they? What do we learn? I'd have to go to the literature to look but at it that. But they do. Much, I don't. Or you wouldn't. They wouldn't be they allowed wouldn't to have it. the yeah. job, especially yeah. if I may, Annika, in Canada. With uh, the mm-hmm. tradition of, of uh, socialized medicine and uh, government involvement, and so uh, with all well, that, I've said, also heard. Yeah, go ahead, please. I've also heard that they um, kind of recycle a lot of our water uh, through the lakes as well. So I wasn't sure how if the radiation is somehow getting into the lake. Uh, I I just don't think it is. In other words, that part of the nuclear industry is uh, is. Uh, uh, very well controlled, very yeah. well understood and very well controlled. But what's happened mm-hmm. historically is because nobody can agree on what to do with the nuclear waste, it's stored now at all these power yeah, okay. plants. Yeah, And people talk about putting it in geologic structure, you know, on big caves where nobody goes and it would be underground and out of, out of sight and not out of mind, but out of range. But uh, the the infrastructure for doing that is complicated, and how do you move it through somebody's hometown without terrorists showing up and causing trouble? And you could recycle the fuel and make it even more okay, and so on and so on. But 
if I understand it, Dr. Jackson, people are more afraid of radiation than they should be. Yeah, Is that accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think you're exactly right. I mean, the nuclear power plants, they're not leaking, you know, radiation into the environment. Um, and even if the doses would be so low that it would not cause an increase, you know, in cancer incidents amongst the pop- you know, population around it. So there's there's in my opinion, no need to be concerned. I wouldn't be concerned. She wouldn't be concerned. Thank you very much for your call, Annika. Enjoy the beautiful summer weather in Ontario. Science Rules will be right back. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter. Every day feels like Saturday, and French fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion, and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling, and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide, and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. You're listening to Science Rules. Now, in a separate but unrelated issue, uh, I think has to do with the word radiation. So we have another caller about this. Is that a true fact or a false fact? Uh, That is a half-true fact. Uh, You forgot to consider the third possibility. Uh, We got a question, and the caller could not make it onto the the phones ah, to talk to us. hmm. So um, I will be playing the role of Johnny. (laughs) Uh, So in the role of Johnny, I have a question for you. Uh, So recently, I've seen a number of videos warning us of the dangers of radiation emitted by the new 5G communication towers. There are claims of peer-reviewed studies, etc. Do you and do Bill, do you have an opinion on this? Have you seen the science on it, if there is? I mean, is this this also a dangerous kind of radiation? So I will say that's far outside my area of expertise. My expertise is in ionizing radiation, and that is non-ionizing radiation, you know, scientific opinion, no, I don't think it probably has any effect. So when you say non-ionizing radiation, you mean it, it just it doesn't have enough energy to Correct. knock those electrons loose and make your yep. make your atoms kind of chemically active. Correct. So the 5G system works with the same phone you have now. So it's almost certainly not going to affect anything. So there's just okay. – I'm, you know, I'm a big skeptic, doctor. And by that, I mean literally. Me, in I both, am as well. Right on, blow it up. <laughs> Uh, both in uh, both in um, the no sound effect. The, oh, sorry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's what we do when we do a fist bump with a lot of drama. You're using the same phone. There are billions of phones, and very, very few people have any any effect at all. The problem is when you drop your phone, you bend down, you hurt your back. That's very dangerous. And there's a famous incident in the skeptic community. I'm in both the the skeptics and the Committee for Scientific Inquiry, CSI. And uh, there's a famous incident where there's a, a real estate agent in Florida, and her husband had a picture of her on a, on her cell phone, and she got brain cancer. But uh, correlation does not mean causation, as we say. So just because you saw this one picture of this one woman who happened to get brain cancer, which is 
very troubling. It doesn't mean the, it absolutely does not mean the phone caused it. If cell phones were really as dangerous as some of, of these extraordinary claimers claim, I mean, so many people would be dead or have tumors or whatever that, the, the amount of energy emitted and received by mobile phones is tiny. And it is not, as you say, doctor, ionizing radiation. These are not beta particles or alpha particles. It's it's electro. It's radio wave. But this actually, but this is a great moment a to very, walk very through. Very very dim light bulb. Yeah, the, to walk through the different things that people call radiation because they do call you know like, like your Wi-Fi runs on radiation. Five G right. uses radiation. So what is the difference between these different types of radiation? Maybe you can kind of decode the energy. That. The energy. So, you know, when we talk, you know, my area of expertise is with, you know, alpha, beta particles, gamma rays, x-rays. High energy, it can essentially knock out an electron out of its orbit, leads to an unpaired electron, you know, then those molecules. An ion. An ion. And now they want to find, you know, that electron somewhere else. And so they pull it from the DNA or they try to pull it from other, some other cellular, what we call macromolecule, and it causes damage. You mess up the molecules in the cells, and then the cells get messed up, and you get sick, and in the worst case, you get really sick. Exactly, and then those cells start sending out what we call danger signals. Hey, I've been attacked. And so now the neighboring cells, even if they weren't exposed to the radiation, they start putting up defenses, mounting defenses, because they're getting those fire alarms going off. You know, hey, we've got a problem. Whenever I think about mm, radiation, we used to—now we have sieverts. That's a measure. Sievert's right? grace. We yeah. used to have rads. That's right. And uh, Sievert is a metric unit, right? And it used to be a curie. Do we still use curies? We do, and back rolls. It depends on what type of radiation you're talking about. You know, if you're talking about, you know, radioactive decay. I my um, I focus on, on grace. We use grace mostly, which is one kilo, one joule of energy per kilogram of tissue, which is equivalent. This is, well, this, you get there's a thousand a cc's in a Just in a kilo, in a in a liter. Yeah. So the, a kilogram of hum, humans weigh about as much as water, right? Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. So uh, it's like so that's a a joule per kilo. Kilo would be a a millijoule per cc. Yeah. A thousandth, thousandth, a thousandth of a joule. Your math is better than mine. Well, if that's if it's <laughs> if it's that simple. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So with that said, or that complicated, uh, uh, how do we know how much of a jolt Sieverts, Becquerels, Rads, uh, what's, your last, uh, what's the other one? Uh, there's a couple like rank, yeah. Rams, Rankin Equivalent Men. Uh, okay. Anyway, how, how, yeah. how do we know? How uh, much dose? Yeah. Depends. You know, if we're talking about biological dose, it's really hard to estimate. So you can estimate it by determining what we call lymphocyte depletion kinetics. What's the first so word? Lymphocyte. lymphocyte. The white blood cell mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. How fast do they do you lose them or they die? Mm-hmm. So as they drop, your lymphocyte ah. counts. Um, so did we do this, this just word. to put you on the spot? Were these done with uh, primate models, as they're called? This one's done with humans. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we do do it in primate models. If we're doing primate models, you can deter- if you're doing a controlled exposure, you can prescribe a specific dose. And in that case, we have radiation physicists who come in and they do the calculations and then they would prescribe a same way we do it in clinical radiation therapy. You can prescribe a specific radiation dose. To a m- monkey. To a monkey. You can do it to any, any yeah, 
To a monkey. Yeah, to a monkey. But we all depend on this sort of research, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah we do. Now, speaking of non-primates, well, unless you mean my old boss. Oh! <laughs> 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 hey, what is that? Here, where is it? Uh, no, hey, there. Yeah. Uh, is it a myth? So people at high altitude, you would expect to get more radiation. There's yeah, less atmosphere do. blocking uh, charged particles from our own stu- yep. life-giving sun. All so right. they have more background radiation. Yeah. Do yeah. pilots and flight attendants get more of a jolt than the rest of us? They and certainly do. Is it do. noticeable? They do. Um, and I think that they actually do control f- for that, you know, how many flights people mm. can, you know, how based many on, pilots can fly based on exposure, ba- natural background radiation mm. exposure. So you do get higher doses of radiation exposure when you're flying. And the famous one is the banana. Yes. <laughs> What happens with a banana? I'll let you tell me. No, <laughs> the radio, so, they have yeah, calcium. So, so, yeah, ba- bananas are full of potassium. Yeah. And oh, pota- potassium. Uh, yes. I misspoke. Yes. I misspoke. Doggone it. Right. So, uh, so uh, they're, they're, they've got some natural radioactive potassium in them. And because they're high concentration of potassium, bananas are one of the more radioactive foods. Yeah. So a truckload of bananas allegedly and i allegedly allegedly has enough radiation to to set off uh you know some of these ultra sensitive radiation detectors i would need that's to check probably, that that could be true i, I mean they're very that. very sensitive that's why you know even after fukushima any of these you know these detectors would pick up a little bit higher you know doses of radiation but it's because they're so sensitive mm. but so know, so bananas that's... are a very weak source of radiation but they yeah. are a source of radiation wow we have to google that with that said <laughs> with that uh, said What? What? What is happening, Bill? Oh, I think that the uh, clouds nearby are discharging their uh, <laughs> into the ground or from the ground to the cloud, uh, heating, superheating the atmosphere so quickly. Uh, they're they're ionizing the gas and creating free radicals, uh, uh, which we smell as uh, ozone, which yes. is O three. But more importantly, oh, it's the lightning round. Yes, it's yes. the lightning oh. round. <laughs> The lightning round. So here, Dr. <laughs> Warren Jackson, we are going to ask you to answer these I quit questions. Now. Okay. No, no, no. This might be the best <laughs> part. Kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> quick questions, quick answers. Cool. Living at high altitude, big risk or not big risk? If I'm not living a big in Denver. risk. What's your favorite form of radiation? Oh, my favorite form. Gamma rays. Why? <laughs> Who doesn't love gamma rays? Yes, but what do you love about gamma rays? What I love about gamma rays because that's what I work with. <laughs> Can you develop a pill? For radiation sickness so that I can go into space and not have to worry about radiation. A vaccine, like a type yes, of like radiation yes. vaccine. A vaccine? Well, if you talk to my boss, that's all. he's talked about that for a long time, how great it would be to be – because he, he believes that you could develop a vaccine to radiation. Wow. A vaccine yeah. to radiation. Yeah. So this would enable your DNA to repair themselves very quick, repair itself very quickly. Yeah, something like that. Well, he believes in radiational hermesis, so he thinks you could prime your cells. That you know, I mean, it's all very theoretical, right? But but uh, that you how, could prime your cells. How long would this vaccine last? Like an hour or two years or your whole life? Probably years. You know, whole life. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Do you worry about radiation when you fly, doctor? No. Uh, would you live near a nuclear power plant? I would. Uh, what is the best depiction of radiation in the movies or television? Ooh, uh, or what's the worst? That's a good question. A lot of them don't do a very good job. Um, thread. I have not seen it, but one of um, one of our 
my colleagues, who's a radiation biologist, has said that this is one of the best films because it they had actual radiation biologists that consulted on the film. It came around. It came out right around in time of the day after in 90, mm. 1983, 84. Yeah. One thing that comes to mind where you yelled at the screen because it bothered you so much. The day after. It's, it's a high level. It really exaggerates. What you what would you want to be able to see in the future with your research? Oh, that's a good question. Do you um, want everybody to have radiation awareness? I would like to have I would like to have everybody to have radiation awareness, particularly the local responders. You know, first responders at the local level, and I think with physicians, we need to do a much better job at educating our medical community that would be the ones to treat individuals who've been exposed to radiation. They need to understand what to do and how to tr- medically manage those individuals. All right. So if you had one thing to tell the world about radiation, what would it be? Um, that, you know, that there is this fear of radiation that is not proportional to the real risks of radiation. Doctor, it sounds like uh, your work is just beginning. It is. Well, this has been a great discussion, Doctor. You are going to change the world <laughs> by educating people about the true effects of radiation. It really is an important thing. And it, for me, it's not just that both my parents had forms of cancer. And I, like anybody else, I'm concerned with cancer. I'm of a certain age. People from high school are no longer living because of cancer. That's bad and something worth thinking about. But also, if we are going to embrace uh, nuclear energy as a way to have zero carbon emission electricity in the coming years because we got to get her done, we're going to want to understand the effects of radiation and how we manage it. And so this is as big a picture idea as you can imagine, both individual medicine and the future of planet Earth for us humans. You know, as we say, Corey, the Earth's going to be here no matter what we do. At least for a few billion years. Yeah, we want to... Eventually, it's going away. We want to preserve things for us right now. We have been sharing the microphones with Dr. Lauren Jackson, Associate Professor of Radiation Oncology at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. School of Medicine. And the Deputy Director of Translational Radiation Sciences and Director of the Medical Countermeasure Program, also at the University of Maryland School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland, here in the United States, planet Earth. Doctor, thank you so much for coming in and telling us about radiation. It's just been a fantastic discussion. I'm looking for a pun. <laughs> it's been it's been ionizing. It's been it's, it's been <laughs> rad. It's been it has definitely been rad. Thank you. Doggone it. It's been rad. Thank you, Dr. Jackson. I'm Bill Nye, by the way. I'm Corey S. Powell. And remember, when it comes to the radioactive part of our universe, science rules. And if you like science rules, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It helps us out. It helps us know who's listening and who's enjoying the show. And of course, it helps other people learn about the show so they can enjoy it too and turn it up loud. So thank you. Science Rules is produced by Jordan Bell. Our engineer today is Jared O'Connell. Mixing and original theme music are by Casey Halford. And special thanks to Claire Rawlinson. Chris Bannon is the CCO, the Chief Content Officer of Stitcher, where science rules.
Stitcher. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com.